Chris Perry. WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor, WCBN.org. Grabs on to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath, Ann Arbor, as Navarre gets set. Places down, kick is up. It's long enough. It's good! It's good! Michigan wins the game! Michigan shocks Washington, and the Wolverines are victorious! Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we won't bother talking about Clarence Thomas at all tonight. What a moron. (laughs) Worst justice ever. I'm going to settle some scores by writing a silly book. So we'll just give him a brain damage award for writing a silly book. Baseball, yeehaw. A lot of great stories this year. I don't think I've ever seen a, a division race or, you know, a, a, a conference or league, I guess is the proper word. The National League had all four teams, all four playoff positions unknown as of Friday night. What a fascinating game baseball is. And as I like to say, there's better sports than baseball, but no better game. Unpredictable things can happen. And as for the big question in the Democratic debate the other night, Red Sox or Yankees, I don't think either one. <laughs> I think the Angels and Indians are going to win. But five-game series are unpredictable, and alas, sometimes the best team does not win because it just comes down to uh, an error here, a mistake here that sometimes swings the series. Bounces and breaks. It's like hockey. Yeah. Don't bet the farm. Or just don't bet would be my advice just enjoy yeah especially when you see uh that foreclosures surged 36 percent in august very bizarre that the stock market has been going up recently they're counting on lower interest rates i don't know if that's going to happen um but the new war policy is obviously well uh, let's smoke some monks out of their holes over there in burma so the media all of a sudden is interested in Burma and Myanmar. Uh, the reports that there's been a, quote, dramatic decrease in violence in Iraq are <laughs> vastly overstated. Obviously, there's been some improvement, so we will acknowledge that Im- improvement. But uh, when civilian deaths go from 1,075 down to 922, and American troop deaths were 64 in September, which is more than two a day. I don't think you can really talk about the surge working as of yet. Uh, Obviously, a big factor in the improvement has been the response of the uh, Muqtada al-Sadr's Makhdi army. Uh, He called a ceasefire uh, in late August, and they seem to have abided by that uh, situation. But it's very troubling when... For instance, you have Secretary of Defense uh, Robert Gates testifying before Congress. You know, Talking about a bigger army. Quote, long-term presence. Uh, U.S. needs long-term presence in Iraq, Gates says. Um, he testified last uh, Wednesday that, quote, he envisioned keeping five combat brigades in Iraq as a, quote, long-term presence, unquote. 
And the article by David Cloud notes that a combat brigade has 3,500 to 4,500 soldiers, leaving a minimum of 17,000 troops under the Gates plan. Meanwhile, of course, he's begging for more money. Uh, wants an additional $42 billion for war-related expenses in 2008. And the request increased uh, nearly the Bush administration's 2008 total for Iraq and Afghanistan to $190 billion. This is just staggering. And uh, while we're at it, let's just give out a brain damage award to the three of the four leading Democratic contenders in the debate. Boy, that's for sure. Uh, Why on earth anyone would say we're not going to be out of Iraq by 2013? Yeah, I've got a brain damage award uh, for uh, Obama on my list there, too. That's, that's staggering. crazy talk, especially yeah. given the situation that uh, the Republicans uh, are in running from the shadow of Bush. Um, it, it's It's just ridiculous. Um, and the other end of Gates's uh, presentation there is talking about uh, hoping to overcome recruiting problems. And so, yeah, he's asking for more money, but uh, the forces that uh, the army is increasingly hard-pressed to uh, scare up, and indeed scare may be the right word because uh, the latest uh, incentives are like $20,000 cash signing bonuses and uh, that the... High school diploma rate for Army recruits has dropped to about 76%. Gates says he'd like to get back up to around 90%, <laughs> which is where they uh, typically are. But uh, you're not getting the best and the brightest. I mean, uh, every adult should try to finish high school. And, of course, not all are going to uh, make it to college or high-paying jobs, certainly, but... Uh, you know, the economy in stasis, uh, I suppose, bodes well for future recruitment uh, issues, but uh, not a hopeful sign. Yeah, it, was, it you know, one guy that obviously stole a lot of headlines last week was uh, the Iranian president, uh, Aminabinejad, or... <laughs> Ahmadinejad. Ahmadinejad. Yeah, I was taken to task for uh, mispronouncing that uh, last week. It's an incredibly difficult name, and I've probably gotten it wrong there yet again. But uh, Ahmadinejad. Yeah, Ahmadinejad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he, <laughs> in an article that appears in the uh, one of the more recent uh, New York Review of Books, actually the most recent edition, the October 11th edition by Peter Galbraith has an interesting photo of Aminabinejad. Uh, <laughs> actually, I, I keep making that mistake, too. <laughs> I keep wanting to throw a B in there. Yeah, but, that's exactly what I was... Aminabinejad. Yeah. Uh, there we go. And uh, <clears throat> Nuriak uh, Maliki, holding hands. Um, well, no, no sign of Larry... The region are, are, you know, it's customary, <laughs> yeah. so it's not like an extra special sign or anything, although... Uh, it's not quite like Bush staring into Putin's eyes. Or it's uh, no, no sign of Larry Craig anywhere. <laughs> Although the cover of the latest New Yorker magazine has uh, oh. Ahmadinejad uh, in the bathroom getting the toe tap from a neighboring stall. <laughs> of course, that's not likely to happen since there are no homosexuals in Iran. Yeah. And, of course, big news. Nudge, out of nudge, wink, wink. 
Minneapolis that they're uh, remodeling the bathroom stalls. <laughs> Ceiling to floor. <laughs> Larry Craig proof model. <laughs> Hopefully he can somehow get a patent on the on the invention. Uh, but leaving aside the bathroom humor, um, what a fiasco last week was with... Uh, Actually, former U of M president yeah. Lee Bollinger, and he needs to be taken to task as he has been for his, the the bare vitriol in his comments. I mean, yeah, of course, the president of Iran is a controversial figure. Yes, of course, he said some incredibly stupid things. Well, he's a buffoon, but yeah. I wouldn't have gone into the cruel dictator thing. Yeah, that I think was I would just have just not the right venue for that. <laughs> You don't invite somebody to... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Foolish comments, you know, and leave right. it at that. The uh, the one comment that I thought was interesting coming from Bollinger, who I always liked uh, as president of uh, U of M here, I thought he was one of the best we've had in, mm -hmm. since I've been aware of such things. Um, when uh, he uh, denounced uh, Ahmadinejad, Ahmadinejad as uh, petty... Um, you know, not concerned with facts and a religious fundamentalist. And I thought, well, you know, that very same accusation could be leveled at President Bush. And as far as President Bush is concerned, this is don't misunderstand me. I'm not uh, praising uh, the president of Iran, who I will just henceforth call the president of Iran. Uh, <laughs> but he's one upped Bush because Bush would never appear before a a hostile audience right bush only speaks to very controllable military crowds I, I don't know if we've ever had a president who has spoken less frequently amongst regular plain folk and and like reagan his press conferences are scripted i mean oh, he from, he's yeah. picked out who's going to ask questions some of this is uh you know sort of uh, covered in advance uh you know, the, right. crib, the crib sheet, so to speak. And so the president of Iran has done some uh, stupid things, said some stupid things. He's a he's a nut, as you say. Yeah, foolish. But, uh, yeah. Foolish is... Buffoon. He's, a just, buffoon. he's yeah. just a clown. Um, and yet he has had the chutzpah, to use a word, a word ironically here, the balls, if you will, uh, to do something in a, by way of public appearance that Bush would never do. Never, not even, not let alone before the Iranian people, but not even in front of the American people. Yeah, and it allowed him to score a minor coup at home. Um, the interesting thing, of course, about the article by Peter Galbraith entitled "The Victor," in which he's reviewing a uh, interesting book, um, just recently published by Yale University, entitled "Treacherous Alliance: The Secret Dealings of Israel, Iran, and the United States." Detailing the uh, the disastrous consequences of American foreign policy in the region and how Iran has ultimately been bolstered by uh, America's missteps. Uh, one other interesting note uh, in the article, and I'll just quote this brief paragraph, which I think describes some of the problems that are <laughs> per going to be perpetual for the United States in Iran or in Iraq. According to a senior official in Iraq's oil ministry, smugglers divert at least 150,000 barrels of Iraqis' uh, uh, daily oil exports through Iran, a figure that approaches 10% of Iraq's production. Iran has yet to provide the military support it promised to the Iraqi army, 
with the U.S. supplying 160,000 troops and hundreds of billions of dollars to support a pro-Iranian Iraqi government. Iran has no reason to invest its own resources. And then, of course, uh, he goes on to point out, because the war has been so badly mismanaged, the United States, quoting Galbraith again, the mismanaged Iraq war has undercut all of these efforts uh, regarding uh, U.N. sanctions uh, uh, related to the nuclear program. After seeing the United States go to the U.N. with allegedly irrefutable evidence that Iraq possessed chemical and biological weapons and had a uh, co covert uh, nuclear program, foreign governments and publics are understandably skeptical about the veracity of the Bush administration's statements on Iran. The Iraq experience makes uh, many countries reluctant to support meaningful sanctions, not only because they doubt the administration's statements, but because they are afraid Mr. Bush will interpret any Security Council resolution condemning Iran as an authorization for war. And this is key. I mean, just last week we have... The United States Senate, in yet another brain-damaged vote, uh, sort of freely allowing Mr. Bush to do what he wants in Iran. Uh, this was part of some amendment uh, that were, was pursued by a couple of hawks uh, in the uh, U.S. Senate, specifically Joe Lieberman and John Kyle of uh, Arizona. Joe Lieberman, formerly a Democrat, now a, quote, independent uh, he votes with the Democrats on domestic political issues, but with the Republicans on most of these war issues. So this blank check, this vague authorization in which uh, the Revolutionary Guard, I believe, was yeah. declared a terrorist entity. And uh, it essentially allows the Bush administration a carte blanche authorization to do what they want. In other words, they can start a war with Iran now pursuant to a strategy of protecting American forces in Iraq. <laughs> or, quote, we're in hot pursuit of terrorists. Right. Never mind that, of course, the terrorists that Iran is supporting in Iraq, if we wish to use the word, uh, and, of course, uh, it's been pointed out repeatedly that the Shiites have all sorts of different uh, factions involved in uh, resisting the American occupation, and there is squabbling amongst themselves, um, this, uh, th this is the situation on the ground, and it's, you know, the, the entire Iraq war has benefited Iran, uh, regionally. And, you know, as was predicted by opponents of the war before it even began, you know, it was, it yeah. was clear that if you knew anything at all about the region and you knew about the uh, Shia majority in the region, that it would bolster Iran's hand, uh, the aforementioned New Yorker magazine, uh, October 8th. That has issue. the Seymour Hersh. It's got a mm -hmm. Seymour Hersh yeah. article in here, uh, part of which talks about uh, Cheney's office has been sort of piping away at an attack on Iran since summer. Um, and he notes that there has been a growing recognition in Washington and throughout the Middle East that Iran is emerging as the geopolitical winner of the war in Iraq. Well, duh. I mean, that's kind <laughs> of a no-brainer at this point. Uh, it's interesting that Petraeus is... Uh, quoted as saying in here about Iran that it is fighting, quote, a proxy war against the Iraqi state and coalition forces in Iraq. But that seems highly dubious on its face since Maliki and his, you know, government have a Shia majority, as does uh, Iraq itself. And so that doesn't seem to make 
a whole lot of sense. In fact, uh, in the initial stages of the war, uh, Shia religious leadership encouraged, uh, you know, staying away from Americans, avoid confrontations with Americans, because the presence is only going to benefit them. It's uh, rather bizarre. And, of course, the interesting thing, as Galbraith points out later in the article, he says, with so much of the U.S. military tied up in Iraq, the Iranians do not believe the U.S. has the resources to attack them and then deal with the consequences. They know that a U.S. attack on Iran will have little support in the U.S., which is true, but the Senate has already given the support. So uh, we are looking, I think, at a very dangerous situation. There's more and more, um, shall we say, sophisticated analysis that a so-called Shiite crescent is is, uh, emerging that goes from Iran through Iraq into Saudi Arabia. Uh, and, of course, the United States, uh, using the Carter Doctrine, so to speak, um, will um, justify further war in the Middle East on the grounds of protecting oil resources, for instance. Well, and as far as the Sunni-Shia conflict, uh, inter-Nicene uh, Arab conflict, Muslim conflict, if you will, uh, only serves to benefit outsiders, um, American you know, Israeli interests. So when you see that uh, particular dynamic being strained, um, it it raises a lot of questions about the bigger picture and the spread of the conflict. Because if we uh, have uh, war with Iran, all, you know, bets are off the table. Pakistan is uh, getting weirder and weirder. Yeah, and that's, of course, even a more tenuous situation. Let's remember, by the way, that Iran is the size of Alaska. It's got 75 million people. Who are very young. It's a yeah. demographically young country. So, uh, you know, given our given the Bush administration's track record of uh, incompetence in a, in, a, in a country that's one-third the size of Iran, uh, the notion that we can somehow uh, attack uh, Iran w- with any uh, benefit is is disturbing. Uh, it's a dis- disturbing concept, well, but it clearly they- can't be ruled out. I mean, even Bush, as low as his opinion uh, approval ratings are, he may contemplate, uh, shall we say, quote, surgical airstrikes. Right, I was going to say. The and this has been openly discussed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, that way you don't have to commit the ground troops, uh, although down the line you'll have to if Iran should respond to a surgical airstrike, uh, because as Gates is saying, they, you know, the numbers are fatigued fighting two wars. So you uh, stretch it out, and, and if Bush you know, goes ahead and does something as crazy as a so-called surgical strike. And uh, how interesting over the week that we've seen in Afghanistan, President Karzai actually openly discuss political negotiations with the Taliban, which, of course, the United States immediately had to shoot down as, uh, nope, we don't negotiate with terrorists. The Taliban, of course, is their preconditions for any uh, commencement of negotiations is the withdrawal of Western American troops and NATO troops from Afghanistan, which uh, isn't going to happen under the Bush administration. Well, and the idea that an attack on Iran would somehow mitigate attacks against U.S. forces is crazy. The mm-hmm. way to mitigate attacks on U.S. forces is to pull them out of Iraq. They will continue to be attacked as long as they're there, um, regardless of whoever is doing it and uh, to what extent Iranians may be involved or not is almost beside the case. 
And uh, Seymour Hersh, by the way, has written several articles over the past two years about the Iran, Iran war plan. Um, I think what's important to realize is that these are, um, shall we say, on-the-shelf plans that are in the Pentagon. They're not actual policy, but it's important to realize that they're openly being discussed, they're openly being contemplated, and no doubt Dick Cheney, uh, in his undisclosed bunker location, um, maybe soon to be joined by I'm not running for president, Newt Gingrich, uh, I'm sure uh, is in favor of such a uh, war with Iran. Well, well, I'll just read a quick paragraph from Hirsch's article here. Uh, what makes his article so salient is that he has uh, inside sources. Um, there have got to be numerous um, people within the intelligence uh, agencies who are extremely disenfranchised, who's you know who've been had their reputations befouled by the Bush administration's flip-flopping on uh, causes, belly, and so forth. But uh, Seymour Hersh writes this, uh, During a secure video conference that took place early this summer, the president told Ryan Crocker, the U.S. ambassador to Iraq, that he was thinking of hitting Iranian targets across the border and that the British were on board. At that point, Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice interjected that there was a need to proceed carefully because of the ongoing diplomatic track. Bush ended by instructing Crocker to tell Iran to stop interfering in Iraq or it would face American retribution. So <laughs> Stop interfering in Iraq. Yeah. Boy, that's... Uh, They're not going to laugh at that message. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, is why uh, the Burmese government is probably laughing at Bush's message regarding Burma. Well, yeah, actually, uh, <laughs> speaking of Burma, I was going to come back to mention this. Um, if... If the people running this military dictatorship in Myanmar, Burma, whatever you choose to call it, had a clue, which they probably don't because they're a you know, thug-like junta, but if they had a clue, they would join the coalition of the willing right, and receive new carte blanche to uh, run the country uh, as they will. Look at Musharraf. Look what he's done over the last week. Uh, let's see, 9.22, Musharraf's opponents rounded up. He arrested the leaders of a number of opposition parties, some 35 uh, opposition party leaders in custody. Uh, 9.30, protests against Musharraf quashed. Police used tear gas and batons to disperse lawyers. Wow. Okay, that's uh, interesting. This is even more interesting. Police first tried to disperse the lawyers, then turned on journalists covering the chaotic clashes. Well, when journalists become targets, it's pretty clear that extreme nastiness is going to follow. And what has the American media been more interested in, the Burma story or the Pakistan exactly. story? In it's other very words, much a, yeah. a similar story. It's unbelievable, the contrast in, in the coverage. Uh, the Burma story is really been the lead story almost virtually every night. Uh, certainly what's been going on in Burma is is disgraceful. But once again, Burma is a situation of British imperialism. Uh, how did these military dictatorships take over? You know, Ney Win was in charge of Burma, I think, from 64 to 88. And then and then this military junta mm -hmm. took over. So, they, they, you know, Burma's been a repressed, uh, very closed-off, uh, area of the world for quite some time, but let's remember Britain was fighting an insurgency there for decades. <laughs> ah, the imprint of British imperialism, rearing its ugly head yet again.
Indeed. Um, and, you know, the the monks admittedly make for uh, a compel emotionally compelling sure. uh, aspect of the story. Uh, you know, Buddhist monks peacefully marching in support of the the people of their country. It it makes for good press. Whereas yeah. the you know the some of these uh, Islamist clerics in uh, Pakistan, whom Sharif is is rounding up, are very easy to uh, either vilify or at the very least just neglect as you know not terribly significant as far as uh, Western media is concerned. So yeah, although it's kind of a juicy, appealing story. Sure, although when middle class Pakistani lawyers who exactly. are Westernized are being clubbed and rounded up tear gassed in the streets then uh, you've got quite a different story so yeah burma may want to contemplate joining the coalition of the willing um and and needless to say buddhist monks uh, there's an interesting parallel to america's involvement in indochina mm, it was indeed. 1963 in the spring of 63 in which buddhists began protesting in south vietnam and it was actually diem's brother uh, who was the interior minister at the time, who cracked down on Buddhist monks. There were those infamous pictures of uh, self-immolation -immo mm -hmm. going on, and Madame New uh, made a tasteless comment uh, about, you know, more monks need to be barbecuing themselves, and I don't care about it, you know. <laughs> and it led to the so-called Buddhist crisis of 63 that led the Kennedy administ administration to conclude that DM. Uh, was rapidly losing internal control of South Vietnam and thus uh, covertly supported the coup d'etat that actually led to his assassination uh, just weeks before John F. Kennedy himself was assassinated. A very interesting story over the week, by the way, the weekend about the soaring food prices. Now, I mentioned the soaring food prices because we just had the uh, Secretary of Labor a month ago claim that food prices were rapidly declining mm -hmm. in her infamous inflation report from August that preceded the Federal Reserve meeting. But uh, over the weekend, it's interesting that soaring food prices have caused the United States to cut back significantly on the amount of uh, food that it is distributing globally. Uh, for hungry people around the world. Uh, it says the United States, in an article by Celia Duggar in uh, Saturday's New York Times, says the United States, the world's dominant donor, has purchased less than half the amount of food aid this year that it did in 2000, according to new data from the Department of Agriculture. And this is in reference, by the way, to the fact that corn uh, and other agricultural products um, and soybean plots have been shifted to corn, are involved in this crazy ethanol concept. Which, uh, the market uh, for which is so glutted uh, that the, bot you know, the bottom has dropped out of the ethanol market. Yeah, and, and finding E85 at gas stations is uh, a dicey proposition. So even if you have an E85 car, uh, where on earth are you going to find the E85 to put in it? Right. The whole thing is poorly conceived, but it's another uh, glaring example of the <clears throat> incoherence of the Bush administration's energy policy. And as for Bush's uh, global warming, <laughs> laughable. Yeah. He basically says, well, we're not going to do anything unless others do something. The United States, once again, is showing no leadership on this vital subject, and uh, Bush deserves a brain damage award for simply doing nothing. 
But I guess sometimes doing nothing is better than doing something like uh, well, war in Iraq. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> in his particular case, it uh, seems to be a losing proposition either way. Uh, we're kind of rapidly coming towards the end of the program here. Uh, details emerge on the uh, bizarre episode of the Blackwater shooting uh, November or uh, September 16th. Uh, it sounds like <laughs> total chaos is what the uh, headline in the uh, New York Times says. Blackwater role in shooting said to include chaos. Now, I wonder if we, the American people, pay extra for chaos now <laughs> with new extra chaos. Um <laughs> During the operation, at least one guard continued firing on civilians while colleagues urgently called for a ceasefire. At least one guard apparently also drew a weapon on a fellow guard who did not stop shooting. What in the hell is going on with these guys? Uh, well, they thought a, they were being yeah. fired on. Yep. Um, after they had you know, shot the car that was uh, in front of them, it was a family, a woman you know, with an infant, uh, was essentially machine gunned. Other reports say there's no gunfire, there was gunfire in the distance. You know, if they're that jumpy, why are they in this line of work? Well, it sounds a lot like Mo Udall's famous comment about the Democratic Party. He said the Democrats are a party that like to uh, go to a firing squad lined up in a circle. <laughs> Who's shooting at who? And J Jeremy Scahill, who we mentioned last week, has a cover story in this week's uh, brand new Nation magazine, the October 15th edition. Regarding Blackwater, it's fascinating, by the way, to realize that they uh, originally got going as Paul Bremer's uh, <clears throat> security militia. They were given a $27 million no-bid contract in the summer of 2008. Bremer, of course, conveniently on the 27th of June, um, issued a decree as he skulked out of Baghdad, known as Order 17, which gave... Uh, Blackwater and other private corporations fighting the war on terrorism in Iraq, immunity from any prosecution, right. including murder. Scahill, by the way, reports since the original Iraqi, uh, since the original Iraq contract, Blackwater has won more than $700 million in, quote, diplomatic security contracts through the State Department. So there's clearly uh, a cover up going on here involving Condi Rice. She's trying to placate Maliki, who's obviously publicly got to say something about this unfortunate incident and do something about it. Well, it looks like about it for us. We're out of time. Yezzy City Calling is uh, coming up next. Thanks to Yelchin for engineering. You are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling. Yeah. Uh -huh.